the Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book, and you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, and on today's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach podcast, I'm joined by Milan Patel, the CEO and co-founder of Pathogen DX, which is a biotech company that has some innovative technology that's being applied in food security, in cannabis, in COVID, and all over in a bunch of interesting applications. I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. So, Milan, thank you so much for joining us. If you don't mind, can you do a more in-depth introduction of, of yourself, your background, and of Pathogen DX? Certainly, Mike. Thank you so much for having, having me or us from Pathogen DX on the show. Truly appreciate it. Um, Pathogen DX is a, is a biotechnology uh, platform diagnostics company. Uh, my background is effectively uh, from education. I'm an engineer. Um, uh, and a biomedical engineer with a business degree. Um, I've basically got about 25 to 30 years of experience in multiple industries. Um, but my last 10 to 12 years have been focused on smaller entrepreneurial type of companies where, where I've had um, a C-level role to grow the company, uh, scale it and, and, and exit it. So I've had prior two exits in terms of um, in the healthcare IT world and the federal uh, IT contracting world previously. Um, how I came into Pathogen DX is I was previously an investor of the parent company and um, I saw a very unique opportunity uh, with, uh, with the technology that was invented uh, by my partner, Dr. Mike Hogan, um, where uh, looking forward, uh, the way the technology sort of worked, uh, it was unique in its, in its application to identify um, uh, multiple targets, if you may. Uh, in the case of uh, folks who can understand it uh, around, let's put it this way. Um, in the case of COVID-19 and the variants, there are eight or nine major COVID-19 mutations or variants floating around the world. What we can do with this type of technology is to identify each one of them all at the same time in a single test at a fraction of the time. And what that is called is it's called multiplex. It's called the ability to test for many things all at the same time. And so I had invested in that company with the idea back about six, seven years ago that pathogens continue to be uh, a real challenge for the world, whether it, it infects humans, which it is doing for the past you know, year or so with COVID-19 and has been, and will continue to do so in the future, whether it's infectious disease, whether it's you know, GI issues such as E. coli or salmonella poisoning or listeria poisoning, um, or whether it's um, um, you know, our food supply system, our agricultural uh, uh, commodities markets, and then even environmentally. So the thinking was almost forward-looking that we needed a tool, a different type of tool in our toolkit 
to help us identify and, and sort of diagnose these sort of bacterial, fungal, and viral bugs. And there are many of them hitting us, hitting our food supply system, hitting our environment all at the same time. To put things into another perspective, the other component of this that we have seen in the last 10 to 20 to 30 years is in these industries such as food and agriculture, we've been applying antibiotics. And the application of antibiotics, whether it's in the agricultural side of the world, uh, in the dairy industry, or on the food side of the world by giving chickens or pigs or what have you, uh, the cows, you know, antimicrobials so they don't get sick. The functionality of all this is when, the, when, the, when there's an actual uh, contamination or infection of the food, some of the situation is, is that you can get antibiotic resistance aspect of, of what we're dealing with. And, and, the, and there, the, 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 you know, the idea that even from a human diagnostic perspective, you know, the, the antibiotics that they're giving us are not making any difference in, in addressing uh, an infection, for, for example. So that was sort of the overall high level, you know, vision by why I, I sort of, you know, uh, founded, co-founded the company with pathogens being bacterial, fungal, and viral, and DX meaning diagnostics. And the idea is that, you know, there are multiple markets that are dealing with this challenge and what this platform that we have invented and developed in a singular way, in a very simplistic way, addresses, addresses the, the, the problems that, that we've been seeing. Got it. Wow. And, and it's fascinating. I'm curious, when you first started the business and, you know, when you made that transition from investor to co-founder and executive, I'm wondering if at that point it, it was already focused on various industries or if it was originally for, you know, for food, for example, or, or if there was like an intended use case or it was broad to begin with. And then, uh, you know, a corollary to that question is how or when did did, did the company start working on cannabis? No, it's a brilliant question in terms of, you know, in terms of the origination of it, right? Um, and, and so the parent company had worked on clinical diagnostics, it's human diagnostics, which, which is sort of what we're, what we're all, the world has been dealing with, with, uh, with the uh, COVID-19 testing as an example. But the, the, the challenge was that in human diagnostics, the, the application that we were dealing with was so complex, it was sort of organ transplant uh, diagnostic matching, genetic matching. For example, you know, matching my kidney uh, in terms of a donor to your body as a recipient. And that was very complex. It was, it was requiring a lot of regulatory um, uh, oversight and, and approval. And we just simply didn't have the money. And so what we did is that we decided that, look, we needed to show that this particular technology, and there, there, had, there had been about $12 million of federal government NIH funding that had gone into the development of this type of technology. We said, look, let's, let's apply it to a, to a market that makes sense for you know, identifying bacterial and fungal uh, 
you know, organisms. And what, what the cannabis market was is that we needed to be at the ground floor to show that there was value in, in the technology working. The technology had to show that it could, it could very efficiently detect bacterial and fungal organisms uh, in, in, in doing what it said it could do. And so what we did is about five to six years ago, we started to work with multiple labs at the inception of when cannabis market was starting to become more regulated at the state level. So we had to establish a rapport and validation of the technology with state level regulators. And that's sort of what we did. We had to show that, that, that you know, walk the talk. Let's walk the talk and say, hey, this technology can do this. Now let's show it, let's prove it. And that's what we did. And the idea was that ultimately, you know, we wanted to, 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 to sort of, you know, uh, transition from the continuing to, to have, a, have a large footprint to show that we can efficiently change the way um, testing works from about 130 years ago when Julius Petri invented the Petri dish to a different type of disruptive game-changing technology like ours, where it saves money, it's even more accurate, and it, it's, you know, it's simpler to, to, to administer in a test lab, uh, independent of whether it was a cannabis testing lab, a food testing lab, or even a clinical diagnostics, a human clinical diagnostics lab. We needed to show that it would work, and that's why we did what we did with cannabis in the sense that now we are in a space where we've got about 100 labs using the technology and with the ultimate, you know, um, the ultimate goal of sort of saying, okay, now that we've shown it in cannabis and we're now making uh, um, traction in food because we've gotten AOAC certification of the, of the technology for application in, in the food, uh, food uh, manufacturers now in the food testing labs with the ultimate goal of also going back into clinical diagnostics. And we did that, uh, you know, starting last year when the pandemic hit with the opportunity to, to really tighten up our technology, show that it actually works from a regulated perspective at the FDA level, and, and, and that's what we've done. Awesome, gotcha. So I wanna, I wanna take a moment to share some potentially alarming data about foodborne illnesses, because th this is something that I've, I've done some research on personally, but I, I, th I find that a lot of people are not aware how big a problem this is. So just to, according to the CDC and their estimates, every year, nearly 50 million people in the U.S. get sick from foodborne illness, 130,000 are hospitalized, and 3,000 of those people die every year from foodborne illness. And I, I see another stat that's 25 million agricultural workers every year are experiencing unintentional pesticide poisoning. So there's, you know, a lot of issues with uh, the food, food safety and food sustainability, not just from pathogens and all this other stuff, but just the whole factory farming paradigm, where, you know, this is one of my least favorite but scariest fun facts that I have is 90% uh, of the US population has detectable traces of pesticides in their urine and blood from the food that they're eating. So 
you know, especially if you pay attention to this news, you see that there's lots and lots of recalls and outbreaks and, you know, salmonella and E. coli and listeria and all this stuff that they don't really have a great way to contain that, you know, the same way as we've seen with COVID, right? It's like diagnostics, testing, detection, and getting quality information out there is, is really difficult. You know, we, we, it's far from all figured out. So uh, obviously the, the work you're doing is, is really important in that regard. And so I'm curious if you could give me a sense of today, you know, how the business is split up as far as, you know, how much focus is on COVID versus, you know, the food world versus the cannabis world. Like what's, what, what are the kind of priorities or what's the breakdown? Yeah, I, um, thank you for asking that question. That's a really good question. Um, right now, our focus continues, is, continues to be because of the pandemic, uh, COVID. And uh, the reason why is it's having, um, you know, a multiplier effect on every other industry. If you look at COVID, it had a ma massive impact on the food, food industry. The meat and food manufacturers, they were all getting sick, okay? Even for the case of sort of the, cannab the cannabis industry, we saw a significant softening, right? At the end of the day last year, and now it's starting to pick up. So when you're having a global pandemic, we fundamentally felt that, um, you know, we, we have a completely different type of technology that can truly help the, the, the global cause, you know? And, and one of the things we, we did, thanks to the NIH, uh, we're one of the we're one of the 26 or 27 companies that are funded by the National Institute of Health, and there's a program called the Rapid Acceleration of of the Deployment for Diagnostics in COVID, and that and the, the whole goal was to scale our type of technology. And why why did they select us? We were selected out of thousands of companies because we're able to do something that other other platforms can't do, and that was like I said earlier. The ability to detect these variants very, very quickly. The variants have, a, have an impact on probably the longer term healthcare outcome. And so our focus right now, going back to your question is, is that it's not all 90%, about 60 or 70% of the time, we're focused on getting the clinical diagnostics market and a footing there with, with these type of tests so that we can address the, the global pandemic. We need to, we have to. We have to get back to normal. We have to ensure that the that these type of tests that we've developed under the federal government get get um, you know get out into the market. That information gets in the hands of of uh, public health officials, and they can and it's useful information like you had called out that can help kids going back to school, helping the underserved, getting people back to work, right, and getting people healthy, right. And so that's our focus. And then the other 30% is still maintaining, you know, ensuring that we're, you know, those that we're involved with in terms of cannabis testing labs, we're about a hundred of them still continue to do what they're doing because people need it for medical reasons, for adult reasons, what have you. And we cannot take our eye off the ball. And the food side, we expect in the, in the latter half of this year to start to Make a make a big impact as we start to get a handle on both the the COVID and, and the clinical diagnostic side 
so that that'll become probably a 25% component of it. And that's sort of our breakout, you know. Awesome. Thank you for that. So I'm curious if you can talk a little more about the cannabis part of this and maybe for the listeners who don't have a science background and don't have as much uh, knowledge about the different pathogens that can corrupt a cannabis grow or undermine uh, cannabis products and make them potentially unsafe. Um, can you speak a little to, you know, how your technology is used in cannabis specifically? And, and is it only used by testing labs? Do cultivators and processors use the products as well? Or is it primarily focused on, on the testing labs? Yeah, great question. So um, specifically in cannabis, uh, you know, you're starting to see some level of normalization. And so first, first of all, let me, let me be clear. Our technology used for the detection of what are called microbes, bacterial and fungal organisms, and can be viruses too. Uh, and I'll explain. So E. coli and salmonella still exist on cannabis flower. If you have a edible it can grow on an, on an edible, just like any food material, right? So it can, it, can get, it can get you sick if you're eating it, right? And so the bottom line is there are, a, there are about a half a dozen bugs, both bacterial and fungal, and could be up to a dozen bugs that could be pathogenic, that could be harmful to humans if they consume medical or adult, uh, you know, medical marijuana or adult-based adult marijuana. And so the challenge for what we've done is we've, we've sort of, if, if in simplicity, our technology just helps detect and quantify how much there is. If there's E. coli on there or salmonella, you know, generally you don't want to be consuming that. If there's aspergillus, these four different sort of funguses that can cause, you know, some of the, the lung issues that we've seen on the vaping side, you know, that could be problematic. And it's problematic because a lot of folks in the cannabis industry are immunocompromised. And when they're consuming something like that with a pathogen in it, it can be deadly. So what we've done is we've, we've been able to, instead of, let's pick an example, a lab in California that's required to test for E. coli salmonella and, salmonella and four aspergillus species, if they get a hundred samples, and they were using Petri dish, they'd have to do 600 Petri dishes a day that takes anywhere from three to five days to get an answer. With such a high value crop, you can't wait that long. Because if, if a cultivator is planning to harvest and that particular pathogen is starting to, uh, you know, outbreak in his canopy, he's gonna lose, he or she's gonna lose a lot of money. So you wanna quickly be able to identify what our test can do is within six hours, of, of start of getting a, a, a you know chain of custody sample you will you will have a result not three to five days and you will be able to identify all of those bugs in a simple sample in one sample as opposed to multiple tests so from a lab perspective and a cost to the industry we flatten the curve if you may right it's beneficial not just from the lab perspective from a regulatory compliance standpoint for the safety of humans right but it's also on the Grower side, we've got an environmental test that can do the same thing for up to 50 different pathogens where they swab 
the, the, the ventilation vents, the drains. And, and a lot of this was developed in the interest of building out where the federal model already is for such as that, that mandated by the USDA for agriculture, okay? And that's mandated by the FDA for food and for pharmaceuticals. So what we've done is we've sort of, it's the Wayne Gretzky saying, go where the hockey puck is, you know, heading rather than where it's at now. We need to work with the federal agencies that, that you know, with these types of technologies that can allow this to be, you know, that, you know, already approved and accepted, even though it's at the state level now. And that's what we're done. That's what, we, that's what we've been doing. And that's how this technology is so different and why, you know, the beauty of it is we, 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 di we did it in the cannabis sector and, you know, it's been phenomenal because it's, it's made it much more safer. Wow, awesome. So I'm curious if the regulators have been receptive and have shared that Wayne Gretzky approach <laughs> of, uh, you know, skate to where the puck is going. You know, ha have you found that they've been easy to work with or, you know, and I guess let me ask, in addition to that as a broader question, how is your experience in the cannabis industry compared to other industries you've worked in? Has there been any significant difference even? There's a material difference between, I'm happy to say that we were recently given the FDA EUA authorization of our COVID-19 test um, yesterday to be, uh, to be, and wow, congrats. Thank you. The, the degree of, of diligence and oversight and, and just is completely different at the federal level. I, can, I cannot underemphasize why that is because that's, that's used for human testing. And when it's used for human testing, you cannot make any mistakes. And, and I certainly appreciate, understand that. And you know, the beauty is that we've been able to learn what it really takes to be federally recognized by an institute such as the FDA. So there is a difference. And with, uh, with your first question, um, you know, the responsiveness in working with regulators at the state level has been different. And each state has been different. And I think the, the standardization of these regulations really need to happen, you know, sooner than later. But I can tell you that the evolutionary turns in the sector, in the cannabis sector has been super amazing. And I'm using that word in the sense that everybody wants to do the right thing. At the state level, these states like California, there's, you know, what, 35 states right now or more in medical, maybe 13 in adult. These regulators have, have, have really worked relentlessly to improve just the turnaround time and working with labs, working with, with uh, you know, licensee growers, dispensaries, and you've got to respect them. They've got a difficult job and they've gotten better. And I, and I, we, because what we've been through with the FDA and the USDA, we appreciate now working with any regulator because we understand one thing. They're only interested in one specific thing, public health, the safety of what you and I do, right? There's been so many cases out there of, you know, con consumers and let, let's talk about the, the vape issue 18 months ago. That ran rampant because of bad, poor manufacturing defect issues that were not, uh, you know, nobody was providing oversight. If this was under the FDA, you know, it would have been a major issue and people would have gone to jail. And so this is the difference. We need, 
we ultimately, it, that's where the hockey puck is going. And we need to be ready as an industry because it's the right thing to do. Right. And I'm curious if you, if you work with cannabis companies and labs abroad, as well as in the States or, you know, how, how maybe some of the standards internationally may differ or the processes or, or is it by and large similar? It's very similar, to be honest with you. Um, United States is the leading, it's not just the market, even from a regulatory perspective, is the leading you know, country in the world around you know, both the market and the regulatory components. So uh, the likes of Health Canada, the likes of the European Union take, they follow what the United States does. Mm. You know, it, albeit I think that um, even though Health Canada and, and in Europe, it's more of a, at a federal level, the, the goodness of all of this is even though in, in the United States, it wasn't, it isn't right there from a regulatory testing perspective and a, and a compliance perspective at the federal level. I think the good, the, the good news is, is that we've learned a lot in the five years and, and that there's being credibility, okay? at its national level, I mean, you know, and so uh, we are starting to work with, with labs in Canada. Uh, we, we, we would love to work with labs in Europe, but, you know, we've had quite a full plate in the last, you know, five years as well as the last year, um, primarily because I think strategically, we want to position our technology independent of the industry it is in as sort of the standard in sort of, you know, molecular testing. That's what we want. We believe that we need to move the world in this millennium away of, uh, from petri dish testing that takes three, five days where it may be the reason why is because you need results almost immediately. That speaks to your fact about why there's so many foodborne outbreaks is because the results are taking too long. Mm. It's because it's not always accurate. Petri dishes aren't as accurate as molecular technology that was used in, for example, COVID-19 testing. And I'm mixing a lot here, but we need to move the, you know, move the, the industry to a new generation of, of technology like ours. Right. And can I ask you to maybe explain in, in, in simple layman terms how your technology works? Yes, absolutely. Let me, let me try my best, but that's a great question. And I've been asked this, but in a simple layman term, uh, what we've done is, is uh, in the case of, let's take a, a classic example, in the case of cannabis testing, a flower um, that's done, that's uh, one gram of flour is selected from a grower. It goes through a chain of custody to a lab. The lab takes that flower and how our technology works, I'll explain how, the, how conventional technology works. You take that one gram of flour and you put it in a little pot with some broth in it and it cooks overnight and it enriches that flour. And what you're enriching is you're sort of growing any bug that was on the flour, any E. coli, salmonella, uh, you know, even aspergillus. Now in 24 hours or 48 hours, you can get bacterial growth, E. coli, salmonella. In aspergillus, you'll get, it might take you 72 hours or, you know, or longer or 96 hours for that for a fungus to grow. Then they take that from the, from the broth and they streak it on a Petri dish. And 
depending on the medium, it'll grow and it, it'll grow colonies. So if there's E. coli, these little cells start growing and then you count the number of colonies. That is how conventional testing has been done and continues to be done. Imagine now our technology. Our technology takes that one gram of flour, right? You put it in a simple bag of, of uh, buffered uh, peptone water, which is effectively just molecular grade water. You shake it up. What you're doing is you're dislodging anything that's, that's molecular or any cell that's on the surface of the, of the flour into the water solution, right? You, you take that water solution, you spin it in a low grade spin and a high grade spin where you're separating out. What you're doing is now you've got, you've got those cells that are the bug cells in the water. You, sp you spin it at a high grade, grade spin and you created a little pellet. And that pellet now has got all the cells for anything that was E. coli, salmonella, even, even fungal cells in a little pellet. You take that pellet, you heat it, with our digestion buffer and you crack that, that, the cells or that pellet to get to the DNA. When you get to the DNA, you then sort of, you put it in a, a machine that'll amplify and multiply millions and millions to see, is there enough E. coli in this sample? You know, or is there enough salmonella? Once you multiply that sample you know, with, with the actual target, E. coli, salmonella, or aspergillus, you drop it onto a thing called a microarray. Now the microarray is a simple 96 well glass slide, but it's got these wells on them, 96 of them. Within the wells, we printed the genetic sequences of the pathogen bugs that matter, such as E. coli, salmonella, aspergillus, a bunch of other bugs. And we can put up to 50 different bugs in triplicate. And when you drop the sample there, whatever bug you have, whether it's E. coli and salmonella or aspergillus in one sample, it's like a zipper. One strand of the DNA now binds to these little sequence probes on the, on the cell, on the, on the glass surface. It binds like a zipper, okay? Once it binds, you wash it and you, you do a fluorescent CCD LED imaging on it and it lights up. So that, get, that happens in six hours as opposed to three to five days for a result. Wow. And, you do it in, and you do it in triplicate so that you get three data points as opposed to one Petri dish, you see, for each yeah. bug. So that's what's unique about what's called a microarray and it's, it's called multiplex where you can test for many things all at the same time in the same sample at a fraction of the time with a fraction of the labor. So I want, I'm sorry that I, I took a little bit longer but I wanted, I wanted to make sure I, I gave it some justice. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing to be sorry about. I think that was fantastic. Thank you for the overview. Very helpful. So I want to shift gears. I want to ask you, what are you most excited about right now of all the things that you're working on? My, 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 it was basically yesterday was probably uh, one of the most um, rewarding days to get an FDA EUA. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So on 420. Uh, <laughs> 420 and, 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 you know, it's been, it's been one year of, real hard work and soul searching. And it's been looking at yourself in the mirror of doing the right things for the right reasons and having the right resources. And what I'm excited about is we're at the, we're at the precipice of, of using this kind of technology to really sort of do the right things where we've been chasing, we've been putting out fires. Like you talked about outbreaks. I don't want 
industries like the cannabis industry, regardless of the state or when it becomes federal, to have the same issues that we've had, we've seen in the agri rest of the ag agricultural industry, industry or even the food-borne outbreaks. We have to do something different. And, and we, so long as we do something di different with the guise and assistance of the regulators, whether it's at the state or federal level, we can get there. The, we, we have the technology. And what's exciting is that advancing not just the technology for the technology's sake, but improving that public health and addressing things like antibiotic resistance. Because, you know, people are questioning, you use the word sustainability. Sustainability is, you know, if the, if the food and the agricultural system is giving antibiotics to animals, what does that mean, right? What is that, what's the impact of that? And can we address that with technology to provide better information, better data for us to improve, reduce the number of outbreaks, improve the quality in, and, and, and you know, improve you know, human safety. And that's sort of what I'm excited about, regardless of the industry, because getting a badge from the FDA is, 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 you know, is getting, getting accepted by the, the preeminent regulatory body in the world that your technology can do things that is acceptable at the highest levels of safety, you know, and quality. And that's what, that's what is the reason why I'm excited, you know? Amazing. And I'm just, I want to go back for a second because I, I heard you mention, you know, E. coli, salmonella, um, for the cannabis diagnostics, I'm, I'm assuming that this is the case, but I just wanted to be sure that you can test for, you know, powdery mildew and, you know, some of the common like uh, culprits in, in cannabis pathogens, you know, not just some of the other, you know, more, more common ones that people know of beyond mm -hmm. cannabis, but, you know, I like, um, is that the case that you can test for, you know, like spider mites and, you know, all these other kind of um, ca really cannabis specific uh, pests and yes. Yeah. So, so great, great, great question. And the answer is yes. And the reason why is we work off the genetic sequences of these things like powdery mildew. You can't culture powdery, powdery mildew. It doesn't work on a Petri dish because it's a, it's, a, it's a mixed bag of a bacteria and a fungus and it doesn't grow. And same thing for spider mites, same thing for, for example, latent hop virus, which is having huge impact on, on the cannabis sector right now. They don't know how to address this. And so we've got a, we've got a product called Phytovex, which is a plant pathogen test later in the year that can help growers because they're losing a lot of money and they're losing, the quality is, is really getting compromised. And so, you know, what's unique is because we work with the actual genetic sequence of, sequences of these bugs that are specifically dedicated to the cannabis industry, we can identify it and isolate it much quicker. And the answer is yes. Fantastic. I figured that was the case, but I just wanted to make sure. And so I want to ask you, given the, your career and breadth of experience in entrepreneurship and in various industries, I'm curious, what is your highest power that has allowed you to succeed and, and yeah, and have the impact that you've had in business? The, 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 I think the highest power over the last five years is 
for me, and if I can, if I can characterize or describe it as, is, is um, don't give up. Don't ever give up. That is great advice for anyone in entrepreneurship and especially in cannabis entrepreneurship. You're going to need that to, yeah. to go through all of the, the trials and tribulations and challenges and you know, all that stuff that comes up. And, and so, you know, the, the other thing to add to it, it's, 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 more, it's more about the end goal than, than money. Money, money is not the reason why you don't achieve your goals. Money helps, but it's not the end. It's not the, the means to the end. It, it is your determination. It is your focus. It's your energy. And if you have the positive mindset, you can do it. I fundamentally believe it. Yep. Awesome. I love that. That's, that's what I say in, in my book, the cannabis business book. Yep. which is available on Amazon, that it's all about having what I call the high mindset, which is, you know, you have to be determined to, to go and create a different future and to actually innovate and bring something new into the world is an incredible labor. And so you must be determined to, to actually make it be. So with that said, I want to shift gears into a little bit of coaching if we can. And, and so I want to ask you, Milan, is there anything that's currently a business roadblock or a buzzkill or a challenge that maybe I can help you get a new perspective on? Yeah, no, I, this is beautiful. I love this. Um, thank you for that, by the way. You know, I think the biggest thing is uh, for us right now is being in three markets at the same time right? You're drinking from three different fire hydrants and you have to, you have to do it, you know, you have to do it properly in the sense, and I'm not saying drinking from a fire hydrant, but the focus and, you know, and it's hard. I don't think companies like ours, um, you know, um, there are not many companies that can do what we've done in a matter of five years, as well as the last year in terms of pivoting. So how do we do it better? That's the question. So let, let me try to get a little more clear on that. So I'm hearing that, you know, you're operating in three major different industries mm -hmm. and they, you know, they're all a huge, huge beast in and of themselves. So, and, and I heard you say that you've, you've done a good job of pivoting and, and kind of working in all three um, and you want to do an even better job. So I'm curious to, to understand, well, from your perspective, what have you done really well? How, what, what has allowed you to be so successful to this point? And then my second question would be, where do you think there's room for improvement? I think that that's a great question to put it back in, in the form of a question. What, where we've done really well is we've innovated. Technological innovation, we're... we're we're, we're, we've done a phenomenal job. Um, and we do it with such great uh, execution. I think that the areas where we've struggled has been on the regulatory side. And that was my learning curve with, with our, our learning curve with the FDA. And, and, 
And I think that we need to improve in areas of like, you know, um, in areas of regulatory understanding really what the requirements are, understanding, um, understanding how to execute better in an organized fashion and a prioritized fashion. Um, there are two parts to, there's two sort of areas that if we, if we do that, we, we, we do it much better. And it could be things such as, you know, Monday you focus on cannabis, right? Tuesday you focus on food and Wednesday you focus on, you know, clinical diagnostics because, you know, in any given day, you're, you know, it's like you're taking the random path of a fly otherwise, right? At the end of the day. <laughs> so, you know, I think I need, uh, you know, and, and people who are more organized in their ability to break things down in a structured approach are folks that I sort of need to uh, bring to the team. And that would probably, you've helped me answer my question by asking the, que the question in a good way. So I, I appreciate that. Now I know how you're coaching me. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's, that's my, my method, the method to my madness. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious, let, let me, let me go one, one level deeper if I may. So, so I heard you say, I, I just want to reflect back to you what I heard, which is you want to bring in someone to the team who's very organized and structured and methodical in, in, in that kind of way. So maybe you can break it out to, you know, Monday is cannabis day, Tuesday is food day and, and Wednesday is diagnostic day. But um, I also heard you say that where you've done a great job is on the technological innovation. And so I'm curious to, to dig into that a little and, and better understand what has allowed you and your team to be really strong in, in that area. And, you know, then what I'm going to kind of see is, is there a way to bring that, that strength into the, the organizational piece or the regulatory piece? Yeah, it's, it's, this has been really rewarding for me, this conversation. Um, on, the technical, on the technical innovation piece, um, I've come to the realization it took me a while because you, you never really step away from the forest to the, from the trees, right? And you're always caught in the trees, right? And so uh, I realized why we're so good in technical technological innovation is because I have a team that has worked together for 25 years, right? I want you to think about Team Porsche or Team Ferrari, right? They do what they do because they've done it forever together, right? So the evolutionary, the evolutionary turns in working together have been, it's almost like you can read my mind, I can read your mind, I know your knitting, you know my knitting, right? I, I make the engine and you make the body in, in Team Ferrari, right? Whatever. So with a deep and narrow team with that level of experience, that's why we do what we do really well. Now, and you, you, you've helped me answer my own questions with this coaching, so I really appreciate it, is the fact that I have to do that with somebody who's super the same way and it may not be a, a team, maybe an individual that is super organized, that's, that's clearly organized and has done it for whatever, 10, 15, 20 years. You bring that, that quality, that skill set in, and that becomes, you know, you go from running your company more randomly to running it more semi-structured or more structured and organized. 
And that's what I've realized is that we have to find those skill sets that are become, that are def, not, I wouldn't say the complete deficits, but their weaknesses in a, in a growing scaling company. And it's finding those people that are the most organized. It's finding the people that are more, have clear, the very clear communication and very clear thinking and very clear articulation. And when we do that, then, you know, as entrepreneurs like you and me, with the biggest, def, the biggest dysfunction we have is shiny object syndrome, right? <laughs> so, oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to get better at that, right? And that's the thing I've got to, I got to, I got to bring in those types of individuals. And, and the good news is through the course of the last year after, after working with, you know, the FDA and the NIH, it's allowed me to meet so many amazingly skilled people that, that you can just tell the quality is a completely different level. And that's where we need to be. Awesome. Fantastic. I'm going to give you one more to bring it home, which is what, let's say you found that person, you know, we're going to go back to Wayne Gretzky and where the puck is going. Let's say you found that person or added that skill set to your team. What would that do for the future of your business? Well, so, you know, it adds a lot more credibility uh, when, when you start maturing into, um, and it's a great question because I'm thinking for a second, um, organization drives significant efficiencies. It gives you another level of efficiency and efficiencies and utilization in terms of people productivity, in terms of not wasting time. You know, a CEO that tells you to go in one direction on at one o'clock, but at one fifteen tells you to go in another direction at one one thirty. You know, the it's the tail wagging the dog phenomena, and we we have to, and so that that's what it would do at the at the ground floor level where it matters for us, for growing companies, for people who feel like they can contribute and they can they're bringing value to, at the end of the day to the world. Because look, I mean, we're all going to work from whatever it is, from the time we leave high school or college to, you know, when we retire, if we even retire anymore. But the point is, we all want a sense of, you know, that we're, we're going to make an impact. And I think the idea of with somebody like that is less organizational thrash, more, you know, productivity with clear objectives and direction setting. And, and just, and then also somebody who can give you positive reward and recognition because that does matter at the end of the day people want to be recognized besides delivering the one of the greatest technologies in the world they want to know that their contribution make a difference and that's what that type of individual can bring awesome fantastic well thank you so much for indulging me and giving me the opportunity to to do a bit of coaching today and i think you know how to ask the questions so you're very good <laughs> that's that's why I get the big bucks, you know. I joke, <laughs> but that they're not that big the bucks. But that's okay. It's it's a lot of you know the the joy is being able to help others who are doing cool stuff and having big impact in the world. You know, mm -hmm. if I can help people like you to get there a little faster or or do things more efficiently, then I feel like I've played my part and and had some some impact some of that positive impact so i i appreciate you 
giving me some of that recognition that that it's helpful what I do. So thank you for that. Yeah, you've got a very um, um, you've got a very uh, unique talent. So I appreciate that, and uh, and you know how to ask the right questions. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a unique skill set. So thank you for this opportunity. I really truly have have really have enjoyed it. it really, I really have. So. You know. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that. And thank you for joining me and being on the show. And I wish you continued success. And, and I'm looking forward to see where the puck goes and, and how Pathogen DX will be a part of creating that healthier future. So thank you so much, Milan. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach.